Lord, you call us to that place, the secret place, the quiet place to rest with you. And so often we're not resting. We're running around. Lord, would you just help us to quiet down right now? Quiet our hearts and worship, adoration, focus, focusing our hearts on you. Because you deserve, you deserve our full attention. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Let's all stand together. In the secret. In the secret. In the quiet. In the stillness you are there. In the secret.
gracious love for us that covers all our sin and allows us to come before you into your presence. treasure waits. What treasure waits beneath your scars? The gift of freedom gold can't buy. I bought the world and sold my heart. The treasure in heaven to have me again. My heart beating, my soul breathing. I found my life when I Touch the sky. 
Community Church. Why don't we privilege to live here in Southern California and enjoy the weather that we do. I was just in Chicago um, this past week and, um, you know, I get off the plane, put on my gloves, put on my scarf, put on my beanie. I have a sweater on. I, I have my heaviest jacket. Go outside and then the Uber driver picks us up and he's in a t-shirt. And it's, and it's like 30 degrees. And he's talking about how warm this January has been in, in Chicago. So I guess it's all perspective, right? We, we are wimps, but we're privileged wimps. <laughs> so let's, let's go to the announcements. Um, the first announcement is to mark your calendars for our Harvest Summer Retreat. That's going to be on um, 
on Friday, August 11th through Sunday, August 13th at Alpine Camp in Blue Jay, California. This, this past retreat that we had this past summer, which was our first church retreat, it was really a great time, a great way to, to fellowship and get to know um, other brothers and sisters of our congregation. Really encourage you to mark your calendars, try, try to make that, um, that retreat. Also mark your calendars to celebrate the National Day of Prayer on May 4th from 6 to 7 p.m. That's going to be at um, Irvine City Hall. And then um, if you're interested in short-term missions, this summer um, the Tom family are going to be um, serving in Honduras with, um, um, is it Global? Huh? World Gospel Outreach. You know, I went there twice, and I still can't remember. <laughs> But it's called World Gospel Outreach, and um, we actually partner with Christ Lutheran Church out in Costa Mesa. So this is um, um, a good um, um, way to, to, to serve the, the really underserved in the world. So if you're interested in that, talk to either Eric or Diane. And then, um, you know, one of the most basic needs that we have, it's, I don't think it's up here, but one of the most basic needs that we have is um, being able to eat. And um, just being able to be able to serve in a way that we could help to serve those that are the most needy in our community, it, it is a real privilege. So I'm going to ask Ferdy to come up. He's going to share just a little bit about his own personal experience. Thanks, Wayne. Um, many of you may or may not know, I'm not the most social person. <laughs> it's a great intro, isn't it? I like, I like to do my own thing. I'm not one for big crowds, having to interact with random people. It's just not my thing. So this week, for example, my company had its national sales meeting. And, um, you know, it's sales folks, rah, 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 marketing people. And <laughs> so sure enough, when I called home, my dear daughter's first question was, so did you make any new friends? <laughs> Did you have lunch with new people? And I said, I don't think I want to have this conversation. There is no need. So it's just one of my most recent, more cherished Christmas gift is actually a tent to go camping for one person. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, but the more important thing is I set that all aside to be able to go, for example, um, to events or to uh, have the opportunity to serve uh, for organizations like Second Harvest or like Stop Hunger Now, um, where you go, where you have hands-on experiences to, to get food together, to package that food, put it into bags, and make it into readily available portions so that people just can pick it up and feed their family. Um, this is extremely impactful. It's not something that is not tangible. It's something where you put your hands on items that go to families that truly need it. Um, it is for them, and for them is, it is first and foremost. But the, the personal satisfaction that you get out of it, the, the, uh, the feeling that today you did not spend the afternoon in front of a TV and watch a game or to watch a show, but to actually do something hands-on to people who truly, truly need it is an extremely satisfying 
and also to a certain degree uh, exhilarating experience. So when we have this opportunity as a church body, when we have the possibility to go to organizations who do that on a day-in and day-out basis and who depend, who depend on volunteers to make it happen, um, even I'm willing to set all my little issues aside and say, that's it, that's worth the cost, let's go help, support, and really spend those couple of hours to do something that is of much greater purpose. So when these opportunities come up, I can only encourage every one of you to take the time to consider if this is something that you want to spend your time on and to help people who need it most. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Ferdy. So, you know, with that introduction, I mean, there, there is an opportunity for us as a church body to, to um, participate in, in a um, family service event. And it's going to be on March 5th, which is Sunday, um, after service between 1 to 4 p.m. And it's being put on um, by Stop Hunger Now. And it's actually being sponsored by Thrivent Financial, their South Coast office. Um, so they will, um, you know, have everything arranged for us. So how many of you have wanted to do, like, a service project or a family service project, but you have some excuses? What are, what are some excuses that you might have? Too busy. That's it? <laughs> so there, there are no, everyone should be ready. Huh? Well, you know, sometimes, well, the kids, right? You know, the kids, and what are we going to do with the kids? And, you know, what about, what about lunch? How are we going to eat? And, well, you know what? All of this is being taken care of for you. Okay, all you have to do is show up. Because um, it's, it, lunch is going to be provided. Um, minimum age of four years old. So even kids as young as four years old can participate, all right? So that excuse goes out the window too, right? Um, it's going to be in a warehouse in Santa Ana. We'll provide you more, more information later on. They are looking for between 50 to 200 volunteers. So if you have friends or family that you also want to invite, tell them free lunch, <laughs> and they can also participate. Um, so flyer's going to be coming next Sunday. There's going to be more bulletin announcements every, every, um, every week. And um, just mark your calendars March 5th from 1 to 4 p.m. Okay. In the same vein, okay, turn your announcements on Saturday, February 4th from 10 to 12 at Grandma's Attic. The park is going to have a service pro project where they will be packing food for kids in Orange County. So um, this, is, this is a way that um, our youth is going to be participating also. And if you're interested in being baptized, there's a baptism class on February 5th, and that's going to be right after service. And if you're interested in being baptized, contact um, Pastor Curtis. And then I'm going to ask Fidel to come up. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So... Um, our next couple's garden, okay, uh, is coming up February 10th. Uh, it's going to be at the same location, Deerfield Community Park. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a new study that uh, we're going to be covering. Um, it is called Kingdom of Marriage, or Kingdom Marriage uh, by Tony Evans. Um, it's about our lives um, are filled with God's pleasure and joy when we live 
with a kingdom purpose. Um, I know uh, there's times in our life that um, weighs heavy on us as couples in this broken world. And as Christians, couples, I know sometimes it gets very tough for us. Um, like finances, how do we handle with the kids, uh, who's keeping the house clean, you know, where's the money going to be co coming from? And just as couples, I know we deal with that all the time. I have personal experience. And, uh, you know, so that's when we know that the enemy is interfering. And we all know each and every day the enemy is always interfering. And always at times, I know as couples, we tend to have our spouses be our enemy when actually it's the opposite. At that time when the enemy is trying to penetrate, that's when you have to join forces with your spouse to fight the enemy. So, you know, when we learn how God power us with the challenges of marriage, that's when we know that, you know, God is in our lives. So I know everybody has a pamphlet here, so if you can just pull that out. I, I encourage everybody, mark your calendars. Um, it's going to be catered. There's going to be child care, so no excuses that the kids, you know, can't make it because of the kids. Um, it's going to be delicious Vietnamese food, right? Am I correct? Okay. $20 a couple. And um, it'll be great to have everybody out there. And I know there is uh, regular couples that come out. And it'll be great to see some new couples out there here, here at Harvest. Because we have to build within to harvest outward. Thank you very much for your time. Hopefully we see you there. God bless you all. Okay, just continuing with the announcements. Um, there, there is one correction in the um, bulletin. Um, the Harvest uh, Leadership Vision uh, 2017, that's actually going to be postponed. Um, um, we'll find out more information. It'll probably be um, sometime in March. And then finally, um, how many of you have stuff in your garage or home that you'd like to clear out? Juliet, do we have some stuff in our garage? <laughs> You know, when, when you go in your garage and you can't, you can't get to the back cabinet, then there's stuff that you can get rid of, right? Okay, there's an opportunity for you because there's a Woodbridge garage sale fundraiser. This is going to be on Saturday, February 25th. And um, so start already making note of what you want to get rid of because this is a way that um, um, through the park that um, they're going to be having this garage sale to raise money for the 30-hour famine. So... Um, once again, February 25th. And then now I'm going to ask Pastor Curtis to come up. Yesterday, um, we had our annual leadership retreat. And this was a time that we have each year at the beginning of the year um, to set our hearts on God and to be focused on him. And this year, we have um, three newer members onto our boards. We have one new um, elder who actually has been an elder before, Sean Chow. And we also have two new deacons, one who's been a deacon before in Andy Ahn and one who's brand new in Kelly Wong. And this is morning, we want to pray to dedicate them to the Lord and to his service. Um, yesterday, as we were looking at scriptures and studying them and spending time in prayer, uh, we looked at these as part of um, the many different scriptures that God teaches us about leadership. This is from the book of 1 Timothy. And it says, the overseer, and that is another word for an elder, 
The overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. And it goes on, and there are other qualities that are required that God has for elders. But in the same vein, uh, Paul continues, and he also teaches about deacons. And he says, deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. And then it also goes on to talk about the deacons' family, uh, their wives. And God has given to us the opportunity in our church of following leaders who love Jesus and who following leaders who have a devotion to what is good according to God's word. And yesterday our theme was leading um, by the book, and that is leading according to the way that the scriptures teach. And for this we need to have prayer. And we need to be praying for our leaders. And we need to be supporting them uh, by our encouragement, uh, but also by helping and participating with them. And so this morning, I want to ask our three newest um, board members to come forward. So Sean Chow, uh, Kelly Wong, and Andy An, Would you come on up? And then I would like to ask all the current and the most um, all previous elders and deacons to come on up. This is Sean. Okay. This is Andy. Uh-huh. And of course, this is Kelly. Um, so I've asked uh, Juliet to pray uh, for Kelly. I've asked Daryl to pray for Sean. And I will pray for Andy. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a great God, and we just thank you for these uh, wonderful um, leaders that have, uh, you have put in their hearts to serve the church and to serve your kingdom, Lord. I specifically pray right now for Kelly. Um, thank you for her open heart to accept this um, nomination and to be a deacon at our church, Lord. Um, I just pray for her and her family that you... Um, just give them, give them your anointing, Lord, to, in, this, uh, in this position that she's taking on. It's a lot of responsibility, and um, we are all uh, very busy, Lord, in, in this world, but Lord, um, your purpose will be fulfilled in Kelly, Lord. And she knew that that uh, priority was in her life, that you called her to service in this, in this role as deacon, and um, you will use her mightily, Lord. We know that. So I just pray that you uh, bless her. You bless her family, Brian, and all her kids um, that will be, um, you know, basically impacted by her, her role and um, the time that she will be spending in this role, Lord. So just um, give her strength, give her health, give her your wisdom, 
and your grace, Lord. And um, we pray all this in your, in your Lord uh, Jesus' name. Amen. God, I thank you for Sean, who has a long history of love and devotion for you. Um, and I pray, God, that he would accept this call, this charge, to serve you uh, wholeheartedly and faithfully, that with all of his soul and his mind and his heart, he would commit himself for your purposes. And we know, Lord, that his service does not come without the support of his family. So I pray for them as well. I pray for their marriage, that you would strengthen it and protect it. I pray for um, Sean's relationship with his children, that he would be the father that you have called him to be and the husband that you have called him to be. We pray, God, um, that you would encircle them with your protection. Um, and we pray, God, also that as Sean um, uh, uh, commits to serving you, that uh, he would experience, and the family as well, uh, the joy of knowing that they are being used by you and for you. Lord, may, may that um, just continue to well up in him and his family. Um, so thank you, God, for Sean. We look forward to what you, are, would be, you, what you will be doing in him and through him. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for Andy. Lord, we thank you for who he is in Christ and how Jesus is shown through his life in faithfulness, in joy, in love. We thank you, Father, for the way that Andy has blessed us in the life of this church as he has served with youth, as he continues to lead the career group, as every Sunday he comes and sets up and leads the team for both set up and clean up. How he helps us and blesses us with smiles and encouragement. Lord, we pray you would use these all and more, that he would be able to be your light in this place and your light in this world. We pray, Father, you will protect him and Brenda and their children. We pray, Father, that they together would serve you with joy and with power and with inner strength that comes from the Spirit. We pray, Father, and we thank you that Andy has made a commitment in his second term now of serving as a deacon, that he would even be used doubly by you. We thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness. We know you are faithful to those who are faithful. You honor those who honor you. And, Lord, we know that is true for all three of these brothers and sisters that they love you with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. And so we lift them up to you and we ask you to protect them and that we would be faithful in participating with them and following them. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that we together will give you glory always in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you.
wonderful things have happened today, but I promise I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I get to introduce Michael Bosmarov, who's going to be speaking for his very first time today. Michael is, hold, oh, hold on, sorry, I, I got too excited. Senior at Vanguard University, graduating in May. He's been with us for a year and a half, interning with our awesome youth. Speaking for the very first time, Michael Bosmarov. Woo! Can everyone hear me? <laughs> Morning. No? Okay. <laughs> I'd like to open just in a word of prayer before we begin. So. Father, I thank you for this beautiful day that we have to be able to gather to worship you. I thank you for every person in this church. And I just pray that you can use my words, use the words you've put on my heart today to impact the lives of everyone here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when God gets involved, things tend to change. Three and a half years ago, a youth graduated from Woodbridge High School, not a stone's throw away from here, with a mindset that he was going to somehow change the world. He was going to a university in San Diego. He was studying biochem. He was living the Irvine dream. He was going to try to be a doctor. And... He really believed he could do it, and so he was transitioning into this phase of a lot of work, a lot of studies in biochemistry. But at the same time, another transition was happening in his life. Uh, he began to really take his faith seriously. He began to, to pray on his own, because he wasn't home to pray with family necessarily all the time anymore. He began to read the Bible as if it actually meant something for his life, as if there was something really there that could impact something. And he began to really step into a relationship with Jesus. Now, as this youth went through his first quarter, he began to notice that he wasn't getting joy in the things that he thought he would get joy in. He wasn't getting joy in school or in chemistry or in biology or what have you. He was getting joy in, in joining a small group. He was getting joy in leading and volunteering. And he began to realize he might be called to something else. Three and a half years later, as Ben said, I'm standing right here before you, giving my first sermon to a congregation, and I really want to say thank you guys. Uh, in the last year and a half, you've become my home church, and it's been really special. Um, and I know that when God gets involved, things change. Now, today I'd like to start just by opening with this presenting myself that's in your bulletins. And I'd like just to say this first section together, and then open to Psalm 103, but... Just for presenting myself, let's just read this two-line thing together. Have compassion for me, O Lord, as a father has compassion for his children. For you know, O Lord, how I am made. You remember that I am dust. And I'd like us to open to Psalm 103. Uh, we're going to be reading a few verses from there, but... Before I get started there, the Israelite people realized that when God gets involved, things changed. I mean, they had the craziest history. We know it. They went from slaves to wanderers to a nation to captives to a nation again. All, all of this happening, but they had this understanding that, again, when God gets involved, things change. And so Psalm 103, 
really is this praise that the Israelites are giving to God, this God that takes them from the pit and crowns them. And so I'd like, I'll read it, and then I'd like you guys to just follow along. Uh, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the, earth, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And from that section, I'd like us to again read from the bulletin the Inviting God's Presence section together. I bless you, O Lord, as the one who forgives all my iniquity and heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. Amen. Now, it's not just the Old Testament and my personal story where we see God really intervening and changing things, but obviously the New Testament's full of this. I mean, it's God coming into the earth and changing everything for everyone. But even in the lives of the people that Jesus interacted with, we see these changes. Again, he called just regular fishermen, day laborers, tax collectors to follow him. And these are the people that now we read the New Testament of this book written by a lot of them. And they were the founders of the churches that... I mean, we're in a church today because of them. Another group of people that when Jesus interacted with, he would change what was going on with them was, was those he healed. A couple weeks ago, we heard about a paralytic being healed, given a new lease on life, given a new chance to live a life. And today we're going to be reading about a leper who's given another chance. And this story comes out of uh, Mark chapter 1. So if you'd like to turn with me there now. Now, Mark 1 starts with this ministry that Jesus is doing, and it starts with this casting out of a demon that Jesus does, and then suddenly all of Gal uh, Galilee knows about him. Everyone suddenly begins to hear about this rabbi who has this authority to cast out demons. It begins with these healings that he's doing in various places, and then it goes into this ministry that he begins to do in the synagogues in Galilee. Jesus is on the move. He's active, and he's going all over the place, and his name's really beginning to precede him. And so we come to this story about a leper being healed. And now we have Jesus, who's like this superstar, sudden rising rabbi, who's doing these incredible things. And on the other side, we have this leper, who in many ways in the Jewish community would be an outcast, it would be someone that really doesn't get a chance to, uh, to have those interactions with people the way that we do today. Um, a story from my life about uh, probably the modern-day leper that I can think of uh, in a general term is, again, from when I was in San Diego. I used to take a bus from San Diego uh, from UCSD to Oceanside. And I would go to Oceanside instead of the nearer uh, station because 
I could take the cheaper train. And I'm a college student, so that matters. Um, and so that would be an extra hour bus ride. So I'd be on a bus for two hours. And inevitably, there'd be a few homeless people on this bus. And I used to give a prayer that went something like this. You know, God, I pray for these people. I pray that you care for them in the way that only you can. You sustain them, that you can reform their life anew. You can really give them new life and heal them where they're at. And God, as for me, uh, can you make sure they don't sit right next to me? <laughs> because I have a backpack on, but I also have a bag at my feet, and I'm worried they'll take it. And they're kind of unclean. And if they have a dog, please definitely make sure that's not next to me, because it's scarier most times than they are. In many ways, that's, that's how lepers were in, in Jesus' time. Um, and so we begin with this question of, you know, what, what can we learn from this story? And actually, we're going to be looking first at how does the leper approach Jesus? Uh, and what does that tell us about how we should approach Jesus? And we see that the leper approaches Jesus with his boldness and with his humility. He, he, he does things that are out of the ordinary for a leper to do in incredible ways. Um, but he does so recognizing who Jesus is. And so really fast, I'm going to read from you, for you guys from Leviticus uh, kind of just a really quick snapshot of what a leper was in their society. So this is Leviticus 45, and it says, The person with such as infect, an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Um, and so immediately I think of, you know, kind of me, unkept hair, kind of torn clothes, I might think of a millennial, but, but in many ways, <laughs> um, which, I mean, I guess I am one, um, but in many ways, these lepers were, were sent out and away from, from their society. And so now as we read this verse together, I just want to keep in mind that this, this leper has incredible boldness for, for what his status is in the society and incredible humi- humility when it comes to Jesus. So it's uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. We'll just read that right now. A man with leprosy came to him and begging him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I just want to stop right there and just say that Jesus, again, is a superstar. He's doing the synagogue ministry, and the leper is unclean. He's not allowed to interact with people, not just because he's unclean in the way that we think about it health-wise, where we kind of want to have some disinfectant soap to clean up after interacting with him. He's unclean in a spiritual sense. Most people saw him as a sinner, as someone who was doing something wrong, especially towards other people. He, was sin- he had sinned against other people, and God had cursed him with leprosy. That's the way that it was seen at the time. And so when he runs up to Jesus, he's actually risking a lot, because Jesus is doing the synagogue ministry. He can actually put him in jail because of the fact that he's making him unclean. He can't continue his ministry. He can't enter a synagogue if, he- if Jesus becomes unclean, right? And so... He's risking a lot running up to Jesus, and he has this incredible boldness. And and being unclean, again, this this idea of being unclean, cast out, rejected by his society, even pushed away from from his God. Again, he wasn't allowed to do any of the rituals that we normally, you know, we think of as a little weird. But to the Jewish people, this is how they interacted with God. And he wasn't allowed to do that. He was pushed away from everything. And, you know, when I think about that, I, I see myself. Uh, especially, I remember in high school, that's how I felt. I felt like, like I was an outcast. Like, people, you know, don't really want me around. 
I'm actually a huge introvert. It's weird to stand up here and say that with as much energy, but it, it's, <laughs> I'm not the kind of person that would naturally want to be around people, but then I would always feel a little cast out when they wouldn't want me there either, you know? And, and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I feel all the time, you know, where are you, God? Why is it that I can't feel you right now? Why is it that I can't sense that you're here? You know, I, I need you. Why is it that there's this disconnect? In, in many ways, every single one of us is kind of like the leper in that we're, we're outcast at times. We seek more than what we have. And, and we should actually follow him, have this boldness that he has when approaching Jesus, that we need him, that we need him and we'll do anything to get to him. Second, though, he has this incredible humility. Again, it says, you know, he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, if I was to have a disease, and Jesus was just to walk into a building, (laughs) or if I was to break an arm, I'd immediately run up to him and be like, Jesus, can you heal me? You know, like, please, like, this hurts, you know? (laughs) Or, you know, this this is an issue, like, can you heal me? Like, please. He doesn't do that. He does something that's a little bit different than that. He, He goes up to Jesus, he falls on his knees, and he says, you can heal me, if you're willing. He recognizes who Jesus is. He recognizes that, in many ways, he needs Jesus, and he trusts him. He trusts him to be able to heal him, and he trusts him to have that compassion. We should have a similar approach as this leper. We as outcasts should approach Jesus with the same boldness. God, I might be dirty, but I need you. And we should have the same humility. God, I need you. I know it's hard for me, but it's what we're called to to emulate. It's what we're called to do. But the story doesn't just stop there. The story goes a little bit further, and Jesus responds to this man. And in verse 41 through 44, I'll read right now, it says, Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests. Offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. The word compassion, as, uh, as Ben likes to point out to me, means to suffer with someone. Uh, this doesn't always just mean, you know, oh, I feel so bad for you. But it means having the same emotions that that person's going through. Having, the, having a realization, stepping into their shoes and seeing kind of the reality of, of what they're experiencing. So Jesus here has pity for the leper, for this man that's been cast out of his society. He has pity for the outcast that... that is on hard times, that doesn't have a chance. A man who, if he wants to beg for food or beg for money, has to shout out unclean when people are passing by and then walk away, hoping that they'll put something on the ground for him to be able to get. Jesus has pity for a man that has to live life this way. At the same time, though, a lot of translations, rather than the word compassion, will have the word angry. Jesus is angry at a system that pushes this man out. Angry at a system that doesn't give him a chance to really step back into a relationship with them or with God. There's no reconciliation for this man unless his skin disease goes away. And so Jesus has pity for him in a way that you don't really see anyone else in the society at the time having. 
but how does Jesus respond with this compassion? He responds with love and intimacy. Now, when we're reading this verse, it's interesting to note that Jesus, filled with compassion, reaches out his hand and touches the man. Now, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus heal in a number of ways. He heals from a distance. He heals with a command. He heals by, at one point, spreading mud on someone's eyes. He can heal in a ton of ways. So why is it? Why is it important that he reaches out and touches this man? Well, again, this leper's unclean. He probably hasn't been touched in a very long time. He hasn't had any contact, really, with anyone in so long. And so Jesus, possibly the first person in years to touch this man, reaches out and holds him. At the same time, I think that there's another place that we see something similar happen. I'll read it for you right now. It comes from the third chapter of Galatians, and it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus isn't just reaching out and touching this man. He's becoming unclean to make him clean. It's the same exact story as the cross. It is the gospel story that each of us experiences. Jesus became unclean, took our sinfulness on, to clean us, to give us another chance. The same intimacy available at the cross is the same intimacy that he's giving this outcast, this leper. And Jesus doesn't stop there. You know, he, he sends this man out. And we might read verse 44, and it's a little weird. that He sends him out and says, go and sacrifice to God. Not go and spread my message, go and sacrifice to God. Because he's, he's reconciled this man to the God that he's been so longing for. That he's been pushed away from the synagogue, pushed away from any interaction with God. But now he's able to, at last, however long it's been since he, was, he became a leper, possibly a lifetime, He's able now to go back and to actually sacrifice to God. He's given this new chance at a relationship with God that he hasn't had in years. Now, it's easy to, to just take all this and, and think history and maybe touch into our lives and, okay, yeah, the cross is here and just different stuff. But, but what does that mean for us? You know, we're not called simply to, to be, oh, yeah, cool, like, thanks, God. And we're not called simply to experience God in this way, but actually, as Christians, like we've said before, we're, we're little Christs. We're his followers. We're his disciples. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean that Christ is doing all this? Well, just, has, just as Jesus has this love and intimacy for each of us, just as he has it for this outcast, we're actually called to have the same love and intimacy with those around us. We're called to have that same love and intimacy that Jesus is showing this leper with the outcast in our own lives. Um, because, as I said at the very beginning, when God gets involved, things changed. Well, when we get involved as Christians, as God's representative on earth, things change. They really do. Um, if you flip over your bulletins on the responding to God section, I'll read it for you now. It says, Just as Jesus changed the life of the outcasts in society throughout the gospel accounts, he has also changed the life of every person that approaches the cross. He also calls us, as his followers, to represent him on earth. This means boldly approaching Jesus with the humility in times of weakness and compassionately approaching the outcasts in our society, in our lives, with love and intimacy. Now, I want to ask you guys right now, who's, who is one person in your life that, that's an outcast? 
You know, it's easy again for me to say someone like, oh, the, the homeless people on the bus that I see. But I mean, let's be honest, growing up in Irvine, I didn't see a homeless person until I went to San Diego. So we're probably not interacting with that many homeless people. And that might not be a good thing. We might actually want to be reaching out to them. We might actually want to be caring for them or doing uh, service projects to care for them or whatever it is. But I want to ask, who is someone in your life? I know that when I was in high school, there were definitely people that were outcasts in my life, people that it was a little awkward if I was to try to talk with them. They're a little strange. Maybe they're just a little disconnected and they kind of sit alone or whatever it is. Maybe it's someone at work. Uh, someone that's, again, a little odd, a little weird, doesn't really talk much or maybe talks too much, and you don't re or they're just really, really strange people, and you don't really want to get, get close to them. Or how about someone in, in here? Someone that you, you see every once in a while that pops in and out of church, but you, know, you, you haven't really gotten to know them, you haven't really interacted with them, and they're an outcast in your life. They're someone that's, that's kind of on the fringe. How can you have deeper love and intimacy with this person in the weeks to come? Right now, I want to write down a name uh, below right here where it says, responding to God. Write down a name or maybe a, a letter from someone's name because they're sitting next to you. Whoever it, <laughs> um, whoever it is. But uh, I'd like us to just write down a name and then just have a moment of prayer for that person and for ourselves, for strength. as you're praying, I just want to pray over everyone's prayer. Just say, God, this isn't easy. <laughs> there are people in my life that I outcast, and I know I need help with this. Lord, I pray that you strengthen all of us to be able to step out of our comfort zones at times, to be able to, to follow you, Jesus, to follow with, with what you have for us, with the interactions that you have in our lives waiting for us. That you can begin to, to change things, to, to grow us, and to help us love those in our lives that it's a little sticky at times. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you strengthen us. We thank you that you help us grow more into your likeness every day, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Thank you.
Heavenly Father, we are yours because you came down to redeem us. We were the outcasts, we were the lepers, and you've healed us through the cross. We pray, Father, that as we go out into the world, that we reach out to all that we know and love and care about and be the lights that you call us to be, to draw them closer to you that they too could find their hope, their healing, their life in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we could gather here this day. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen and amen. God bless your week.